Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. We're going to talk Lefty Goes to Live or Live or whatever you want to call it. The golf tour. Uh, Phil Mickelson takes off for a new tour. The NCAA baseball playoffs tournament going on. We'll talk about that. The NFL. Uh, new deals. Guys not showing up for camps. Uh, and a lifer in Green Bay. We're also going to talk Major League Baseball with Belly Up's Dan D'Amico. That and more. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Hey, good looking. What you got cooking? How's about cooking? Something up Hello and welcome to an all-new Sports Stove Podcast, presented by In The Clutch, officially licensed apparel, Major League Baseball, NHL, Major League Baseball Players Association, and much more. Go to InTheClutch.com, use the code SPORTSSTOVE, you're going to get 10% off your first purchase. Uh, welcome into the new program. Joining me as he normally does is my dad, Dale Stover. Uh, how you doing, Dad? Doing good, doing good. Glad to be here. Uh, yes, I'm glad to be here as well. Sorry, trying to get out the message that we're live on YouTube right now, uh, so people can tune in if they would like to. And, uh, of course, we'll have the audio available uh, afterwards, and we'll be on Belly Up TV tomorrow morning, 7 a.m., Wednesday morning, 7 a.m., and 2 p.m. as well. All right, Dad, we got a full load of things to talk about in uh, about 20 minutes. We'll be joined by Dan D'Amico. He's the uh, baseball head at bellyupsports.com. And uh, he is oftentimes joins on our fantasy baseball show that I co-host. And uh, we're going to talk Phillies with him. He's a big Phillies fan. We're going to talk other major league baseball things as well. So he'll join us here in about 20 minutes. Uh, let's go ahead and get to the golf stuff. We've talked about this live uh, tour a couple of different times on the episodes in the past, but it officially was announced that Phil Mickelson will join the tour and uh, he's getting 50 million a year just to play. And then he can also win stuff on top of that. We know Dustin Johnson got a bunch of money as well. And uh, so basically what we're learning dad is this live uh, tour is making sure guys get paid and <laughs> they're going to get paid uh, up front. And if they win things as well, um, they're going to be on YouTube, uh, so people can watch on YouTube this weekend for the first uh, tournament over in uh, England, London, I believe. Yes. Uh, are you any more interested now that Phil Mickelson's in than you were before, or are you at the same amount of interest or even less interested now? Probably about the same amount of interest. Like I said, I would like to you know pay attention to see how it goes and exactly you know the formats. Um, and how they do, but they've got good players and they obviously, um, you know, are attracting people. And I don't think that's a surprise um, there. You know, the PGA is going to have to react to it. So, yeah, well, they don't have to react at the moment because uh, everybody's just resigning from the tour that is joining over. I think 14 players resigned from the PGA tour to head over to live. Now there is some, Question marks around the majors, the guy who have guys who have exemptions for the majors, um, will they still be allowed to play in those majors in the PGA? Uh, do you think they should be allowed to play in the majors or do you think that they have severed their ties? 
Um, no, I think they should. And I think, didn't I see something today where the U.S. Open, I guess they all maybe have different rules and guidelines, but they said everyone is welcome to come play there if they qualified for it. And that even included Johnson, it sounded like. So uh, can the U.S. Open or anybody else, can they overrule the PGA on that? Who has the, who has the ultimate authority in that? Do you know? Um, I think it, it depends on the tournaments a little bit. And apparently the U.S. Open um, has their, you know, their own governing body. From what I, I've read just a little bit, I think each major has its own rules and qualifications of, you know, who qualifies for it. Um, and apparently the U.S. Open has, you know, a set of guidelines. And they said, you know, any, anyone, you know, they didn't feel like with it being the U.S. Open, they it wouldn't be the right thing to restrict people from doing it, um, you know, because they were playing uh, in other events. And so that they, they were, everyone was welcome um, to that. All right. So I'm going to read it from the Associated Press. The USGA made the decision that uh, the U.S. Open is uh, uh, available to Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson and other players who qualify uh, for the event as well. So, um, and both of them say they're planning on playing in it as well. So all that going on, USGA, and I quote, says, regarding players who may choose to play in London this week, we simply asked ourselves this question. Should a player who had earned his way into the 2020, 2022 U.S. Open via our published field criteria be pulled out of the field as a result of his decision to play in another event? We ultimately decided that they should not, which is what you just paraphrased for us a minute ago. And uh, so there you go. U.S. Open is uh, making that decision. USGA is the ultimate decider, at least in that tournament there as well. So you're right. Uh, guys coming through and playing. I, I'm telling you, Dad, I'm more interested, uh, maybe not just because of Phil Mickelson, but just the fact that it's available. <laughs> um, I, I'm a, I like Dan Patrick. I like listening to Dan Patrick. But today he was making the argument that nobody will be able to find it on YouTube. Um, I, I mean, Dad, do you know how to find something on YouTube? Um, I think I could. I don't watch a lot on YouTube, but yeah, I, I believe I believe I could. Yeah, I mean, it's not that difficult. He said, well, people won't be able to get on their TVs. I have YouTube on my TV. Um, anybody that has a smart TV has YouTube on their TV or can get it. So I, I think it's going to be actually incredibly easy to find. Um, there's going to be links posted to it on Facebook and Twitter, I'm sure, and Instagram and other places. So I think it's actually going to be very easy to see and find if people want to watch it. And I think they'll have a great viewership here for this first event uh, for them. And, uh, and I mean, the guys that got Dustin Johnson, he's a winner. Uh, Phil Mickelson's entertaining. They got guys that I think can draw some people even to live events when they're in areas where people can get to them as well. So I, I'm intrigued by it. I continue to kind of lean more and more interested in the live tour and uh, and I definitely will be tuning in this weekend to see what it looks like, to see how it goes. Uh, Dad, I, I'm not sure if you saw this or not. They're doing a shotgun start, so everybody starts at the same time, uh, and then they all end at the same time because they're playing. Everybody's playing at the same moment, uh, so they're not just staggering times and stuff like that. Um, so it's going to go faster uh, to some degree than other other tournaments have. Um, it's, it seems like there's going to be a lot more action, a lot more things happening. And uh, then you got the team team aspect of it, the individual aspect of it too. To me, you know, it sounded more and more interesting. 
And the only thing that's negative towards it right now is the fact that Saudi's involved with it, right? I mean, they're horrible people, but uh, but the event should be, I think, quite entertaining. Yes, I think so. And I think, you know, talking about some of those things, you know, everybody playing all at once, I think that, like I said, does create, um, you know, I, I think that'll be interesting to watch. And, of course, if it's a team thing, then you'll have scores changing all the time. So, um, yeah, I'm sure they're going to experiment a little with a few things, but it sounds like it, it could be more interesting, at least to the casual fan, for sure. Great point. Yeah, casual fans are people who don't normally watch golf. If it gets pulled up, it might grab their interest a little bit more than an average PGA Tour event. Because really, when the PGA is on, unless it's somebody you know, you're probably not sticking around too long. Um, if it's a if it's a course that's historic, maybe you do. I like to tune in to like the Masters, the U.S. Open. I love the Ryder Cup. Uh, I love Phoenix when they play in Phoenix. I think that's a really fun fun event. The crowd's a little bit more rambunctious there. Um, and maybe if they're playing like in in uh, uh, Ireland or uh, Wisconsin, they got a beautiful course up there in Wisconsin when they play too. So yeah, I think this might grab interest a little bit more as well uh dad the nba playoffs uh no game since our last show the next game will happen after our next show uh or right before i guess our next show uh your boston celtics are now tied 1-1 and are you scared uh no i think we're still looking at the celtics in seven um i mean i i think well, you know, again, we're back in Boston now and, um, you know, at least got to win one there. It'd be great to win both of them. But um, I think still think it's going to be a good series. And I, I don't think I don't think Golden State's going to run away with it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. There's, you know, a little bit now more chippiness going on. Uh, Draymond Green made some news and his actions. And uh, there's definitely not a love necessarily between these two teams right now. So that should make it more fun as well. I just hope the games are close. I don't like watching these blowouts in the in the finals. I, I want to see a close game, uh, something that can come down to a historic shot kind of a deal. And uh, so I want to see closer games. We have not seen too many close games in these playoffs. A lot of blowouts, even though it goes back and forth between which team is blowing out whom. Uh, I, I still want to see closer games in the playoffs. I'm still sticking with the Warriors, maybe not in five. Um, like I originally said, but I'll stick with the Warriors for now as well in the NBA Finals. Uh, other postseason things going on is the NCAA baseball and softball tournaments, and I have not had a chance to watch any. I've seen lots of highlights and things like that, but I know we talked about before that it, it's a it really is a great event uh, watching the college playoffs and. I know you've been paying some attention to it as well, so I'm going to give you the floor here to talk about the NCAA baseball tournament. Yeah, baseball tournament, you know, of course, they'll start um, on Friday with the um, Super Regionals. Uh, so you got 16 teams left now. It's been really good baseball, some really good performances um, going on there. Um, it's interesting. You have the top five ranked teams are still in it. You have um, 11, out, uh, 11 of the 16 that are in it were ranked in the top 14. So you have the better teams um, there. 
Conference-wise, the SEC has five teams in it. They could have had one in each super regional, actually. But um, you know, on Monday, you know, you had um, LSU, Vanderbilt, and Florida all lost. So, but there are five SEC teams in um, the ACC. They have three, unless you count Notre Dame. Then there's four, and I'm not sure if they played in the ACC in baseball or not this year. Um, you got the Pac-12 with two, the Big 12 with two and then four other teams there. Uh, there's some smaller schools in it, which there always is. Southern Miss is, is in it. And, um, you know, there, I think there was, trying to think, there was 11 or 12 regional um, hosts that won and went in. There were five, I think, that were not. Um, so <clears throat> it's been good. You know, there's always a lot of excitement and now you get to the super regional um, two out of three should be some really good baseball teams. Like I said, um, you know, a couple smaller schools or schools, <clears throat> excuse me, you don't expect like Connecticut and things like that. <clears throat> so, um, but no, it's been a really good tournament. And um, <clears throat> excuse me, been following it with Tennessee because they're the number one ranked team and um, they've looked good. They've had some close games, but boy, they really turn it on. Um, at the end and did um, did the other night to wrap that up. So, um, yeah, I think it's great baseball to watch and uh, should be good, and they should have eight really good teams end up going to Omaha. Uh, have you watched any of the softball games? I have. I've watched quite a bit of those, and they're down to the championship now with Oklahoma and Texas. Texas is one of the first non-ranked teams that's in the championship uh, at least in a long time, maybe ever. I'm not sure how I heard that there. But uh, <clears throat> Oklahoma, of course, <clears throat> excuse me, is a defending champion, and um, they're quite the team to watch. Texas did beat them once during the year, um, <clears throat> but did not beat them in the, um, in the tournament getting to the finals here. So <clears throat> Oklahoma is quite a team. They've got a girl that I guess is maybe the greatest hitter greatest home run hitter in college softball history. And um, she is really interesting to watch. Oklahoma, just a very confident team. Um, they played, you know, their last game was, well, their last two games were against UCLA. UCLA won like seven to three to force the last game. Uh, a little sidelight there, Tom Brady's niece plays for UCLA and hit two home runs. Yeah. And um, there. So you thought, wow, UCLA won seven to three. This last game may really be something. And it was something, but it was 15 to nothing, Oklahoma. And uh, they were just all over. <clears throat> and they're really good. Of course, a real rivalry with Texas. So I think that starts Wednesday um, yep. for the championship there with the girls softball. And I think, you know, if you like sports, watching college sports is always good. And I think it's always refreshing watching girls college sports and championships. Um, you know, it's very intense. They're very talented. <clears throat> the games, you know, show incredible skill. But it's always interesting when they show the dugouts. These are girls. They're 18, 19, 20-year-old girls. They're giggling. They're laughing. They're cheering. They're wearing crazy hats. Um, they're crying in some cases, but they're girls. And that's kind of refreshing um, to see that. You know, very serious on the field, um, very, very talented, 
But um, it's just kind of refreshing. It reminds you, you know, sports can be fun, and they have fun with it. And um, I think that's a good, good thing to watch college sports. And I think any girl sport, you see that more. Even basketball, you see that a lot. Yeah, well, winning is fun, as I tell my guys on my basketball team. So if you want to have fun, let's win some games and have all the fun you want. <laughs> but uh, uh, Oklahoma only lost three games all season long, 57-3 and three, uh, here and heading into the championship, like you said, Wednesday night against Texas. Texas 47-20-1 to close out the season. Uh, they took out Oklahoma State in their um, – uh, what is that semifinal? I guess, yeah. uh, and so they they took care of them. Oklahoma State was ranked seventh in the country, so Texas taking out another Big Twelve opponent now heading in to the championship game Wednesday evening. All right, uh, let's see here. We got about five minutes, I think, before Dan D'Amico joins us. So I'm not sure I want to get too much into the NFL stuff just yet. We'll save that for after Dan. Uh, is on with us. So I want to make quick comments on uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, earlier this week, TMZ reported that uh, some of the Texas Rays players opted out of wearing the um, Pride logo and uh, due to religious religious things. I've seen a lot of different responses to it. Actually, a lot of it has been positive, which really surprised me. Um, but a couple of things I want to add real quick. They had a conversation, the race said, and uh, it, it sparked conversation, but not not angry conversation. Uh, and the one thing that I noted was it's refreshing to see adults act like adults. And it was great to see them uh, be able to have a conversation, figure out a solution for what they were going to do, and then go out and do it. And uh, without it causing a big stir outside of, you know, getting stirred up in, in the media and things like that. Um I was impressed by it, and I didn't expect it coming from a professional sports league, a professional sports team in today's day and age, but I was proud of the way it was handled, and uh, and it really, yeah, for me, was just very refreshing that adults could have a conversation, work out a situation, and get to it. Maybe we'll discuss it more uh, as we go on with the show, but that's just my quick thoughts on it there. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Belly Up Sports Baseball Director, uh, Dan D'Amico and Phillies fan, by the way, we won't rock them too hard for that. We're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be joined by Dan D'Amico. In the clutch.com, the newest sponsors of the Sports Stove podcast, and we are excited to partner with In the clutch.com. They have officially licensed apparel and accessories for your favorite sports teams and athletes. Use code SPORTSSTOVE and get 10% off your first purchase. You can find shirts like I Still Own You from Green Bay Packers. Are we talking about practice? All kinds of great shirts in baseball, football, hockey, and basketball. Officially licensed apparel from InTheClutch.com. Again, use the code SPORTSSTOVE to get 10% off your purchase. Welcome back into the Sports Stove podcast presented by InTheClutch.com. Again, use code SPORTSSTOVE to get 10% off your purchase. Joining us now for the first time on the Sports Stove, I believe, is the one and only Dan D'Amico. Dan, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How you guys doing? Doing good as well. Good to have you on. Of course, I mentioned earlier in the show, you uh, you jump on the fantasy baseball show often. Uh, you are the baseball head of Belly Up Sports and uh, cover Philadelphia Phillies and other things as well. 
but the real reason I was originally scheduled you was to talk you into trading me Willie Adamas in our fantasy league. But we already got that taken care of, so we don't have to talk about that anymore. <laughs> yes, we did, and it's it's causing my roster a lot of mayhem right now. I can't activate anyone from the IL. Tyler O'Neill came off the IL today, tried to activate him. ESPN wouldn't let me, so if he hits a couple home runs today, you catch a break because we're actually playing each other this week. Right. Yes. Yes, a wonderful thing. I thought it was a fair trade all the way around, though. I think we both we both got some good stuff out of it, but nobody cares about our fantasy team, so let's talk some real baseball. Uh, let's start with your Phillies. Uh, they made a change at manager Joe Girardi out, and since then, they are on a four-game win streak. Is it all the manager? Is it all who they're playing? Is it all just pure luck? How, how, has, how has the team supposedly turned it around so far? Well, playing the Angels certainly helped. And if we had said that three weeks ago, you would have thought we were crazy. But, yeah. I mean, the Angels just fired their manager today. So that, that's about how, uh, how the Angels' season has gone. So definitely the Angels a little bit. But everyone looks more relaxed now that Rob Thompson's the manager. He, I didn't know much about him. I still don't know much about him. I don't think I've ever heard him say a word. I didn't get I didn't get a chance to catch his press conference, but everything that's said about him, he's a people guy. He's kind of an old school baseball guy, and he's trotted out basically the same lineup for the four games he's been in charge. It's going to be basically the same tonight. Uh, game starts in about ten minutes here, and I think it's just allowed everyone to relax now that Girardi's out. Even Girardi was apparently relieved by the end of his conversation with Dave Dombrowski when he was getting fired. He was he was he was relieved. His stress fell off his back. So I it wasn't a great situation and and they've gotten a couple wins out of it. We'll see with a good Brewers team that's lost three straight, just got swept. So we'll we'll, we'll see how it goes if the Phillies can keep it going or if they run into a good team and it come it we all have to come back to reality. Yeah, he is the new manager. He was with Girardi in New York for a little bit. He was with Kapler, actually, in Philly. Um, and then Girardi kept him when he came in as well. So, And I guess he took over, from what I read, he took over the day-to-day -day operations of the team while Kapler was still there as manager. They gave him the decisions for the day, and supposedly it went okay, I guess, uh, from there. But an interesting thing. I was looking, though, the National League East, which has been pretty horrendous this year, Four of the five teams are currently on win streaks. Um, Nationals on a three-game win streak, Phillies on a four, Atlanta on a five, and the Mets on a three-game win streak uh, right now. So are things going to turn around as a whole for the East, or are we going to see the Mets run away with it? Well, it could turn around for the Mets and for the Braves and Phillies, excuse me, and they'd still get nowhere near the Mets, the way the Mets are playing right now. Uh, but there's talent in the NL East. The Mets are obviously one of the best teams in baseball right now. The Braves just won a World Series, have Ronald Acuna Jr. The Phillies, while they've been struggling, have a really talented lineup, have really talented players up and down the roster. And the Marlins are one of the best. I know they're not on a winning streak, but they've got good young talent. They've got two really good pitchers right now in Sandy Alcantara and Pablo Lopez. The lineup is pretty average but they they've got enough to where they're intriguing to watch at the very least and the nationals have juan soto who despite his low batting average right now could probably win you five base 
basketball games just by himself in a row. And so the NL East has the talent, but a lot of the teams have been pretty disappointing, probably chief among them, the Phillies. <laughs> this isn't the first year for disappointment for the Phillies, which is part no, of why Girardi is gone. Um, I asked this to Graham. We had Graham Wallace on uh, earlier this week, I guess. What is today? Uh, Tuesday. Yeah, I think we had him on the Monday episode. And I asked him about Juan Soto because he's, he's a great player on a bad team. And, there's a lot that the Nationals are going to have to do to get a good team. So do you think Soto stays in Washington, or do you think he eventually gets moved on to somewhere else? I think for now, you have to keep him. There's really no package that could give you any sort of fair value for him. I know in the trade of Trey Turner and Max Scherzer, they got some decent players that are on their team now, but that's probably part of the problem they're on the team now and they're not doing very well Kiebert Ruiz has been has been fine Josiah Gray has not he's yeah. been pretty poor and he's Juan Soto is so far from free agency you have to at least give it a try let some of these guys develop some more around him and then maybe if you're you know a year and a half away from Watt and Soto reaching free agency or maybe even just the the two months before he goes to free agency, then you, if you're not good by then, then you'd pull the trigger on the trade and go into really a full scale rebuild. Cause with one of the best players in the league, you can't really rebuild because you don't keep really good players. If you rebuild right. when they're on the team. So for right now, it certainly looks like Juan Soto won't get traded, but even if, they're fielding calls the nationals the asking price has got to be astronomical <laughs> like it would it, it would almost seem silly to even start talking about what a team like the dodgers just for example would have to trade to get juan soto because it would have to start with their top three prospects and probably gavin lux and i don't even think the nationals would say yes to that yeah, maybe they get Bellinger, but that's not a huge get at the moment. That's not much better. <laughs> <laughs> not much better. Which Nationals player goes to the All-Star game? Is it Soto? He, he's not probably the, the most deserving this season, but his name kind of almost locks him in, doesn't it? Yeah, because the fans account for so much of the vote for the All-Star game, it's almost definitely going to be Juan Soto, whether he deserves it or not. <laughs> and it, probably, it, it should probably be Josh Bell. He, he's having a pretty good year, but first base in the National League is really good this year. So much so they're probably going to have to sneak C.J. Cronin into like a backup D.H. role behind Bryce Harper to make sure all the all the first basemen get in uh, in the National League. They've got uh, Pete Alonzo, Paul Goldschmidt, Freddie Freeman. Games in L.A. You can't. How are you going to keep Freddie Freeman on the All Star game if he's playing at home? And CJ Crone, and I'm probably forgetting someone. Probably. So, so I'm trying to think. I mean, you didn't say Rowdy Telez, but I'll, I'll forgive you. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there might be a couple more brewers that are uh, a little more deserving than, yeah. than Rowdy Telez. <laughs> but it, it certainly Maybe. looks right now that it's going to be Juan Soto. And rightfully so. He's the the All Star game isn't competitive, it's, it's for the fans. It's a, it's a spectacle. And how do you have a spectacle of baseball without Juan Soto there? 
That's fair. Um, you mentioned it earlier. Joe Madden gets fired from the Angels. Uh, that's the second manager so far this season being fired. How many more managers get the can before the end of the season? Well, this is honest. This is the most. I don't remember baseball managers getting fired this early in a season right. at all recently. And to have two in the same week is very surprising. I'm sure if the White Sox continue to struggle, Tony LaRusso will get fired. You mentioned it on uh, on the Fantasy Up uh, baseball show on Sunday. That, and I mentioned it too. He just doesn't fit that team. The team is young. It's got a lot of international players on it. And they have a lot of fun. And remember, he's basically smashed your Mercedes dreams when he swung against with a position player pitching and hit a home run. And he basically said that was the wrong thing to do. And I'm pretty sure your Mercedes is still in the minor leagues. Yeah. He he just doesn't fit what the White Sox were building. And I don't know if it's the same effect that Joe Girardi seemed to have on the Phillies where he just kind of was, it was just a black cloud over everyone. And if Tony La Russa goes, everyone starts having fun again. Everyone starts smiling again. They win 10 games in a row. But Tony La Russa, maybe Scott Surveyus, the Mariners have been playing better recently, but have still disappointed thus far. They're probably right now the AL version of the Phillies. As much as the Angels have been described as the AL version of the Phillies for probably the last five years, <laughs> or at least the last three since the Phillies have added Harper, two teams with superstar talents that can't make the playoffs, the Mariners are probably on that fence if, if they don't turn it around and, and get back into the playoff push. But I think LaRusse is chief among the, the guys on the hot seat right now, especially if they fall farther behind the Twins in the AL Central. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, not used to seeing these managers go this early in the season, but the ones that have been fired so far have been around for a long time. Not necessarily at their at the club that they just got fired from, but I mean Girardi's managed now. He, he's he's been around for a while in that role. And then Madden, same thing. He's been around for a long time. If Larusa goes too, um, maybe you could file an ageism suit. <laughs> Um, uh, there's your Michael Scott, Michael Scott, uh, reference for you there. Uh, but, uh, something going on like that. Dad, uh, any questions for Dan? Um, no, like I said, one thing I, I do have a friend that's a, a big Phillies fan. He's from Jersey and every year before fantasy draft, I always ask him for advice. And this year, of course, he, he, he was optimistic that the Phillies were going to be pretty good. Um, but one of the guys he recommended was a prospect who they had traded. Um, and I got him and it's been a pretty good pickup for me. And that was Crawford from um seattle i believe it is jp crawford Crawford. yeah huh yeah yes um, and and he's been very good um did that surprise you any that he's having a good career somewhere else but he never he he wasn't any good for the phillies which was unfortunate and we've now learned that the phillies player development system is a low is just a complete mess and it seemed like he needed to get out of Philly to to kick re kickstart his career. You know, he was really the only prospect other than uh, Aaron Nolan, Reese Hoskins. He was the next guy that came up, and for a long time, he was the only guy that 
Phillies fans could really gravitate towards is like this could be, you know, this could be the next Jimmy Rollins. This could be the next great shortstop in Philadelphia. It never happened for him here. And I don't think like I don't hold any ill will towards JP Crawford. It just didn't work. It happens. And I'm frankly, I'm glad to see that he's doing well in Seattle. He's not a he's a likable guy. And I'm glad he's doing well somewhere else. But the extent that he's having success, especially the success he had in April, that is surprising to me. I didn't think he had, you know, a, a month like that in him, let alone a full season of it if he keeps it up. Dad, if you could have pick between one of two players in fantasy baseball, would you take Reese Hoskins or Cody Bellinger? Hoskins. <laughs> yeah, I've got Hoskins and I would take him. I don't know if you remember, uh, Dan's the one that drafted Hoskins and then we had to reset things because of, oh. of the uh, ESPN glitch. And then you took him, uh, <laughs> stole him from Dan D'Amico. Dan's still a little bitter, <laughs> bitter over that. Dan, one more question for you. Dallas Keuchel. Um, it wasn't that long ago. He was a very solid major league baseball pitcher and then just last week, he gets dropped, and now he's signed on somewhere with a minor league deal. What happened to Dallas Keuchel? I mean, it seems like it was, what, two years ago? I feel like he was one of the dominant guys, maybe in Houston. Was he in Houston for their World Series? I don't remember. Um, but I just remember Keuchel being good, and then all of a sudden, he was not good. <laughs> What's going on with him? Well, you know, it happens. We've, we've seen it happen with guys. You know, it happened to Jake Arrieta when he came to the Phillies. Uh, it's actually very similar. They both signed three-year deals with new teams after leaving the team they want to Cy Young with, and they both just kind of lost it. And they're both guys that they're sinker ball guys. They work on the edges. They rely on weak contact. And if the command starts to go, they start to get hit really hard. So it, it just looks like he kind of went down the path of Jake Arrieta where you, you the command goes and – and the White Sox were were man enough to to straight up cut him. The Phillies at least let Jake Arrieta get hurt and run out his contract. But he's it happens all the time. Unfortunately, you know, guys lose the the sharp break on the sinker or the slider, the cutter, whatever it is, and and that that seems to be what's happened with Dallas Keuchel. Maybe he can he can catch on somewhere and find it. Maybe for a for a month, give a team a couple good starts, but. It, it certainly looks like he'll be uh, – he, he's made his last meaningful start in, in the MLB. We are about a third of the way, I think, through the uh, Major League Baseball season. Uh, if you had to pick World Series, who's going to meet in the World Series? Who would you pick right now? Well, it's it would be too easy to pick, you know, Yankees, Dodgers, or Yankees, Mets. But it certainly seems like people are going to have trouble – dethroning the Yankees as the best team in the American League this season. And I've got a, my roommate's a Yankees fan, so as much as it hurts me to say that, uh, it looks like they're going to they're gonna get over the top this year. But I, I'll go Yankees. Uh, I don't want to say the Mets because that hurts, and I know what they are capable of doing in the in late in the season. So I'll go Yankees-Dodgers, as boring as it is. They're the best two teams. They look like the best two teams. Maybe the Padres, when Tatis comes back, really catch fire. 
maybe I don't know. Maybe the Astros can can find it again, but it certainly looks like the Yankees and and the Dodgers or the Mets will will be meeting in the in the World Series. As much yeah. as I don't want to see it, you know the Mets are still down Degrom, Scherzer right now, and they're still having a pretty fair amount of success. Uh, it's hard to believe if they're coming back fully healthy. Uh, that's a really really tough rotation, but LA's got a good rotation as well. Um, San Diego has an okay rotation as well. So uh, definitely going to be a fun, fun rest of the season. Dan, I sure appreciate you coming on. Let the people know where they can find you at and uh, any of the other stuff that you do. You can find me on Twitter at DanDomico14. I'm sure in probably about 10 minutes when Ranger Suarez has given up a home run or two, I'll be tweeting bad things about my appearance on this show and how I should have never come on. But but you can catch me there. I, I... Tweet a lot about the Phillies, uh, a lot about Pitt, but they're out of season now. Pitt baseball, unfortunately, didn't make the NCAA tournament this year after uh, a nice little run to the ACC semifinal in the tournament. Uh, you also follow Belly Up Baseball on Twitter. We do a lot of good stuff over there. We've got more writers coming in, and really hope you can join us over there. Uh, now, you say Pitt. Are you a all-around Pitt guy, like Pitt football also? Well, University of Pittsburgh football, Don. Yeah. I'm not. I'm a Philly guy through and through. Yeah. But yes, University of Pittsburgh football. That's uh, they're, they're in for an interesting season. They've had a a very interesting summer. They've been at the uh, the front of transfer talks with Jordan Addison leaving. Mm-hmm. So that that's that 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 was always that was a great weekend. I had the Eagles passing on players I wanted in the draft and Jordan Addison leaving Pitt all within like an hour. Yeah. So that, that, that was a fun time in May to be really stressed about football. Yeah. Well, since we got you, if you don't mind, a couple of football questions for you. Kenny Pickett, um, you saw him a lot there at college. What uh, is he going to start over Mitch Trubisky, you think? Mitch Trubisky's a solid NFL quarterback, and I think I might be complimenting him too much. <laughs> Kenny Pickett is the future of the Steelers there's he's also probably the most pro ready of the quarterbacks that came out this year he should start even if he loses a couple games early he's a guy he's been playing forever he's a basically a four-year starter at Pitt and he they ran a relatively pro style offense with Mark Whipple he was an NFL guy he coached Ben Roethlisberger so Kenny Pickett should start whether he is the starter at the, at the beginning of the year remains to be seen. But if I'm a Steelers fan, if I'm watching the Steelers want them to win, I want to see Kenny Pickett run the offense week one. End of story. Okay. Uh, then Philly question for you. One of the conversations me and dad have a lot on this show, we talk a lot about the Eagles for some odd reason, uh, but Jalen Hurts, I like Jalen Hurts. I don't know that I trust Jalen Hurts to be an NFL quarterback, starting NFL quarterback, to lead me to the promised land. Um, but uh, you know, the Eagles—they add AJ Brown through through the trade there at the, in the draft and things like that. Is Jalen Hurts going to carry carry Philadelphia, or are they going to be drafting a quarterback next year? Well, well, this is certainly the year we're going to see. I I was on the on the pro Carson Wentz train. I, I'll admit okay. that I was on the keep Carson Wentz train. Uh, until he got until the day he got traded, uh, but this is certainly Jalen Hurts' year to put up, or you're getting kicked to the curb with with the amount of talent in the 
in the draft next year at quarterback. This is his year, and with A.J. Brown, like you said, with Devontae Smith, with a really good offensive line that returned Jason Kelsey, he's got the tools to to run the offense. And I I like him. I and he doesn't need to be you know a top ten, five top ten quarterback. If he's just in that you know ten to twelve range, 10, 12 to fifteen range, somewhere in there, where he's not losing games, they've got a good enough run game. The defense is certainly improved. So if he can make plays when he needs to, kind of be a Lamar Jackson light, then that that, that should be enough for him to keep his job at least into next year and for the foreseeable future. All right. Very good. I wasn't planning on talking Eagles and Pitt football today, but <laughs> it came up. So let's, that's great. That's awesome. Dan, I really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, we'll get you on again sometime down the road as well. But thanks so much for taking some time with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. We'll see you. That's Dan D'Amico. He's the baseball head of bellyupsports.com. Make sure you go and check him out there. Um, and like you said, you can follow him on Twitter and uh, see all his uh, rage tweets about Philadelphia sports and everything there as well. Uh, all right, Dad, we're going to get into some NFL conversation. But first, I want to let people know about Elementor. Elementor is a great tool to help you prepare your website to be top notch everywhere uh, you look. You need a good website. Today's day and time, without a good website, your business is really in trouble. So get Elementor, the ultimate WordPress website builder. With live drag and drop editor, you can build and customize every part of your website with zero coding required. Elementor is your all-inclusive solution for your website. Create, manage, and host your website through Elementor. Use the exclusive Sports Stove link in the episode notes on YouTube or any podcast platform, and uh, you can get more information on Elementor's packages that can help you have the best website possible. Again, that link is available in the YouTube description or uh, podcast notes on any podcast platform where you listen to the Sports Stove podcast. All right, Dad, a couple NFL thoughts. Uh, Aaron Donald, he still had three years left on his contract, but he said, I'm going to retire if I don't get a new deal. So they give him a new deal, three years, $95 million, the highest paid non-quarterback in the NFL. I think I know the answer to this, but is Aaron Donald worth three years, $95 million? Um, I mean, he is by far one of the more dominant defensive players that there is. Whether anybody's worth that much, you know, but in, in, in on this market and everything, um, that's not surprising. And, um, you know, he is by far, you know, one of the dominant defensive players, if not the most dominant. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see the Rams, you know, have to have a lot of money tied up in people right now. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see how it works in the next couple of years. Yeah, they make it work. They keep signing these big contracts, Matt Stafford, Jalen Ramsey, now Aaron Donald, uh, but they make it happen. They make it work. They got Cooper Cup to sign still as well. Uh, let's see here. Speaking of contracts, Aaron Rodgers says today that he will finish his career as a Green Bay Packer, which is music to my ears to the sense that we don't have to hopefully listen to the nonsense we had to listen to the last uh, last year during the, the draft and all throughout the season and offseason. He says, you know, I'm here. I'm finished my career here. Uh, you know, you made a lot of the fact or mention of the fact that he, you know, basically made open the door to a Super Bowl win and he might walk out at the end of this year and retire. 
uh, there as well. Are you are you happy to hear and do you believe Aaron Rodgers when he says he'll finish his career Packer? Uh, yes, I believe him, and yes, I, I, I'm i I'm happy about it. Um, like I said, one, you know, hopefully it will keep the drama down, at least the interior um, you know, drama, no doubt about that, inside the team. Nationally, it may not change anything because you still got all these national guys who have their inside sources who tell you absolutely, you know, that he's going to leave, and that hasn't happened yet, but I'm sure we'll keep hearing that um, from there. But, no, I, I think Rodgers is really tied into the situation. I think he's going to take it as a real challenge uh, to win with these young wide receivers, and um, I think he believes in Matt LaFleur's system, and I think LaFleur can um, design an offense that will be effective. I think they can have a dominant offensive line, and if they do, then they can kind of do what they want to do. Special teams should be a lot better. And um, you know, when you look at some of the disappointing games they've had in the playoffs, special teams are responsible for at least three of them. So um, that can make a difference right there. And their defense looks like they're really stacked. You go back to 2014 or 2013, whenever it happened with the Seahawks yeah. and the horrible onside debacle. And that wasn't the only reason they lost that game, uh, but that was the, the closing reason pretty much why they lost that game. The defense has been an issue at times as well, although they have gotten better. Special teams has just been a absolute thorn in our sides now for several years. So, yes, hopefully that gets better. You talk about the height of uh, football excellence in Green Bay. We have to go to the cellar to talk about Chicago uh, and the Bears already cheating this year, uh, getting penalized uh, a practice, I guess. They had a practice taken away from them because too much contact in a practice. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Too much contact not allowed by the NFLPA uh, last week from there. And, um, you know, it's very interesting about the Bears. I'm sure a lot of Bear fans would say, hey, that's great. You know, we're we're rough and we're tough and we're just not going to mess with anybody there. And uh, other people would look at it as being undisciplined. So it's going to be interesting to see. I, I This new regime in Chicago has definitely not impressed me so far. I don't – I said it from the beginning, right? I thought when they hired the coach originally, I said that's a great hire but his staff is going to make the difference. And I don't think he hired a good staff. And I know you disagree with me a little bit on that. The offense coordinator comes down from Green Bay and Luke Getze. I just don't think he's ready for that role, for that place and that position, uh, especially in, I mean, they got a, a great young quarterback in Justin Fields. Ah, boy, if I'm a Bears fan, I'm scared um, right now. You know, if this was the Lions, Dad, with Dan Campbell, it'd probably all be relatively positive. Too much physical contact and practice would make sense for Dan Campbell. I don't think we would call it undisciplined with him because of his, his uh, persona, but you're right. The bears uh, make a big mistake. First time head coach. Uh, maybe that has a role in it. A lot of the guys on his staff don't have that same experience, um, you know, associate head coach or head coach experience. So uh, maybe he doesn't have enough voices in there helping them out. I don't know, but at the end of the day, Maybe they just wanted a day off, and so they decided to do it on purpose. Who knows? Uh, but <laughs> nonetheless, uh, the Bears get penalized for trying to cheat. Uh, then Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, there's still question marks about the starting quarterback in San Francisco. We assume it's going to be Trey Lance. 
Um, many people think Jimmy Garoppolo should still be starting in San Francisco. I am not one of those people. But Garoppolo not only misses the mandatory minicamp, he is excused from the mandatory minicamp. San Francisco says, you don't need to be here. Don't worry about it. You just, you know, you relax. It's okay. Uh, from there, San Francisco is a team that has been in the hunt now for several years. They might be a quarterback away. Uh, they got uh, Hopefully, they're figuring out the Debo Samuel situation. Uh, he wanted a new contract and different things going on. Uh, at one point, said he wanted to trade. <sighs> San Francisco, I mean, what's what's happening down there? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, they have a lot of talent, but, um, I, you know, they've, you know, they've had some turmoil to be interesting with the quarterback. I think you're right. Trey Lance is the way to go. Um, but you know, if he doesn't end up, you know, doing well and doing well early, then that will throw things, um, a little bit there. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. That was a little surprising with Garofalo, the way they handled it. And again, he may get moved before the year starts, so we don't know. I mean, I think they would like him to, but <laughs> who wants him? Uh, we'll talk about that more in our next episode as well. Uh, I want to remind people a couple things. You can find us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at SportsStove. Uh, anywhere you get your podcast, the SportsStove podcast. We are doing our recordings live on YouTube, and tonight we're actually live on Facebook as well, uh, but live on YouTube, and then our uh, audio comes out Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and uh, we are on Belly Up TV Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Same episodes, uh, uh, but nonetheless, that's the way it lays out here as we finish out the summer and different things uh, going on. So mm, let's see here. This episode is airing on Belly Up TV Wednesday morning, 7 a.m. and 2 p.m. And the audio drops in the morning, Wednesday morning, and we're live, of course, right now. Then we're going to do another live episode on YouTube tomorrow night, Wednesday night, uh, around around 8.30. We don't know the exact start time on that yet because uh, I've got church, i got to get home and all that kind of stuff. But around 8.30, we'll be live on YouTube. Uh, again, that audio will drop Thursday morning and we'll be on TV uh, Friday morning there as well. So tomorrow we're going to talk some NFL stuff. We've got someone coming on to talk Carolina Panthers quarterback situation as well. Dad's planning on being back with us uh, also. And so we'll talk about all the latest and greatest news and updates uh, going on in the world as well. So dad, since we're going to come back tomorrow, is there anything you need to talk about tonight before we, before we leave? No, nope, I think we're good and uh, we'll see everybody tomorrow. All right. Very good. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's Sports Stove Podcast. Thank you to Dan D'Amico for joining us to talk some baseball as well and some football actually today as well. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you around the Sports Stove.